Coming up next on the Jeff Curley Show, we can only call this segment, My Dad, My Hero. You're going to meet the great Dr. Robert Howard Crilly next. Many are predicting that the worst is yet to come, which is unfortunate, said one person here. Until now, they've enjoyed the reputation of being the nation's icebox. Watched a burglar in his home this morning by webcam. As a journalist of over 25 years, stories are what make my world turn. Reporting live from the Dallas Newsroom tonight, Jeff Crilly, Fox 4 News. But in 2008, I took the jump from my familiar life and started a PR firm from my home. We're talking about anyone with a camcorder like the one I'm using becomes a television network. We started slowly growing the company and we now have over a hundred clients and we've branched into the world of live digital broadcasting. I now own eight different TV studios and have a huge team. And the stories that I now get to share are sometimes the most important of my life. Life has a funny way of coming around full circle. This is the Jeff Crilly Show. Well, this show couldn't be more personal to me. I'm interviewing my own father, and it's quite an honor because I attribute all my skills and communication and TV reporting and now public relations to my dad. My dad, my hero, Dr. Robert Howard Crilly, and I'm just going to call him world's greatest dad. Thanks for coming on the show. How about my son, my beloved? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we can't get mushy yet. We just started the show. So uh, I, I, some of my earliest memories are that you had uh, worked yourself into uh, being the voice of the homeless in Detroit. Every time it got cold, you'd pick up the phone and call the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press. Uh, where did you get that idea? It's really an interesting story because one of the first programs we began under my pastorate in 1967 was uh, called the Over 50 Club. And it was because the leadership at that time thought it would be nice to have senior citizens gathering together, playing cards. And uh, so we launched that. But within three months, a homeless person came to the door. And it was a kind of a Kairos moment because he wasn't over 50 should we accept him? And we, I think we're spoken to by God. And we said, if this is what comes to our door, we will accept him. And he came and in the following week, he had three others. And then it just sort of quadrupled until we had a program every uh, Thursday for the homeless. And, uh, um, I think it was God because um, the leadership didn't ever fight it. Uh, they embraced it. Money poured in from all over Detroit uh, for this program. And so we never lacked for resources. And it's, it's inner city Detroit, which at this time, the race riots happened in, in 67 or 68, I believe, right? And so um, Detroit was kind of a town in... Um, in chaos a little bit. You're coming to help repair a community. And this program that I'm talking about occurred in that same year when there was this breakdown, 1967. Wow. And um, uh, I, I do think it was just a, a thing that was God intended. And I was an instrument, a grateful one. But it wasn't only food that we had. We had a doctor and a nurse come every week, and they would look at uh, the patients and uh, 
recommend uh, services. And we had a clothing room where you could go and get sized up for uh, a job that you were looking for. Uh, we had counselors. It was a, uh, a full-fledged program for the homeless. And uh, uh, I'm grateful that I was there at that time and that God used me for that purpose. And, um, and, and it continues. The program's still going on today. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. In 1991, WDIV, the NBC station in Detroit, did a really nice feature story. Let's go ahead and roll that. On Thursday mornings, a wreath of human misery surrounds this church. When you see your fellow human being in need, do not hide your eyes from them. Render assistance and the sun will shine as the morning light. We call it the open door because at least for that period of time, it is a door that is wide open to anyone who comes to us saying they are in need. So that on any given Thursday, we will serve between six and 800 people in this way. What I go through to uh, like get some gloves and maybe a pair of boots. I'm the Reverend Bob Curley. I'm the pastor of the Fort Street Presbyterian Church in downtown Detroit. And I have been shepherding this flock for 22 years. God loves you, Rose. He really does. We provide a hot meal, which is the thing that attracts most people because they're hungry. I would say we're 25% higher than we were a year ago at this time. We're also seeing more children, more women. Uh, and that's, uh, to me, very, very disconcerting. Family's hungry. And uh, I'll tell you what, I, I'm not used to it, but I'll tell you what, I'll do anything I have to in order for them to get a food. But I don't feel too bad because everybody made me feel welcome today, you know, here. Anger is crazy. In addition to the food, we have a wide variety of services so that we have three barber chairs going uh, all morning. We have a clothing room that provides showers and a wide assortment of clothing, all the way from uh, shoes to uh, uh, outerwear. But that's just kind of the beginning because we have vision screening. Real good, sit back. And we have counseling, we have a doctor on scene. And so uh, it takes about 40 volunteers to make the program work and they come literally from everywhere. And I think it's important that volunteers of all, in all walks of life, come down and help, not only on the holidays, but throughout the year as I do. Maybe they can't give as much time as I can, but they can, they can give. They can give of themselves. I'm Frank Perry, and I'm a retired banker. I wash the pots and the pans and make potatoes when they need me to. Well, I'm contributing to helping out the poor and the homeless and the hungry and just doing my share. I think everybody should come and get an eye opener. People need to come and say thank you guys for what I have instead of saying, well, I want, I want. 
Why can't we just say thank you? I think they gain a lot. Uh, for one thing, the, the mystique of the poor is eliminated. You see, uh, the, the, the good side of the poor, thank you, ma'am, really appreciate this. You also see uh, the, the, the very human side of the poor when blood sugar levels are low, people are hungry, and as anyone knows, when you're hungry, you're not always pleasant. But Jesus never said that the poor would be pleasant. He said the poor would be there. Do what you can with what you have to help them. Sometimes I think of this open door as the inn along the Jericho Road of the 20th century. Uh, the Jericho Road is producing casualties, and uh, we are attempting to anoint wounds and fill stomachs. And I pray for the day when there's no wreath out there at all, because everyone who needs work will have found it, everyone who is hungry will be fed, and the naked will be clothed. Wow. Some of my earliest memories are uh, seeing homeless people in the coffee hour after church, and they were welcome. And, and I loved how you communicated with um, everybody with dignity. And I want you to share the Raymond Groves story. And, 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 and let me introduce another thought before I do that. The program met on Thursday, but it started out meeting on Friday. But because of the huge numbers of people who came, it, it rendered an assault on the building that I was afraid would cause people to say, hey, uh, we, we, we worship here and we have a Sunday school right across. The so then we moved it to Thursday to allow us to get the building ready for Sunday. And uh, Raymond is um, a, a story that ought to be shared and I'm grateful to you son for for inquiring about it because uh, I, I first met Raymond when I looked out the church house window and I saw this man walking in front of the church but every time he came to a crack in the concrete he would step over it and he did that on both directions because he would go and he would lean down by the cornerstone, which said 1907. So one day, out of curiosity, I went out and I introduced myself as the pastor, told him about uh, services that we had, and I said, I'm kind of curious why you step over that crack. And he said, so I don't fall in. And that said to me volumes. And then the next week, he came and he had in his hand $20. And he said, I want you to give this to the people who provided a room for me at the Penn Hotel. And I said, Raymond, I've learned his name, Raymond Gross, and I thought in terms of a ray of God's light in a grove of trees. That's how I remembered it. And I said, Raymond, that hotel is no longer here. 
but the people who ran it is some, are somewhere. Would you see that they get this money? Um, I, 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 I gave it to the homeless society that took care of people. But Ray, Raymond would come to church and he would uh, always go into the corner where there was a grandfather clock. And he wouldn't uh, exchange with anybody. Uh, and pretty soon the people just accepted him along with the clock <laughs> as a part of the furniture. But it, it touched my soul that God would send to us a soul in need like that. And the church embraced him with warmth and love. Mm -hmm. and so it's such a powerful story. Um, I want to show some pictures of the church, and uh, this is just a historic church. Can you talk a little bit about the rich history as we look at this video, um, this sanctuary? I mean, that organ, wasn't that amazing? It's called the Swift Memorial Organ, and it consists of 5,600 pipes. And uh, every one of them was operating, but it cost a lot of money each year to do that. And so there was questions in the church about whether we ought to be serving the homeless or serving opera kind of people. And yet we sort of maintained that balance and it worked out. But it, it, it was um, a grand, grand edif edifice. And I could spend the next 30 minutes telling you about the history of this church and what it did and uh, whom it served. Uh, and, and maybe another time. Absolutely. Well, you guys, you and mom had the honor of going back there a few years ago because they renamed the uh, gymnasium after you. And uh, I found a clip on YouTube, and this is you um, thanking uh, the audience for allowing you back in. Let's go ahead and roll the clip. Uh, I, I took out a hand calculator the other day and I multiplied the Sundays without vacation time included, plus the Tuesday break services for the times and months that that operated. And I have stood in this sanctuary and preached the gospel over 2,200 times. So I'm grateful that you have given me one more chance <laughs> to get it right. <laughs> Well, I always enjoyed uh, your sermons, even if it, if it appeared to you that I was sleeping in mom's lap. As I, I, I soaked it in, and you're a great storyteller. Where did you get that gift of, of you know, relating to the congregation? Um, before I answer that, uh, it, it becomes um, obvious to me that I have been given another chance to get it right. And so I'm grateful to you for inviting me on this occasion to tell the story. Thank you. So repeat the question. Okay, so um, your ability to build rapport with um, the audience, where does that come from? Did, did you get your communication skills from your mom and dad or how did you develop them? That, that, that's almost a profound question for me because I've thought of that uh, over and over again, because I often reflect on what it is that God has given me that has allowed me to share with so many. 
I, I was raised in a town called Clariton, Pennsylvania. At that time, they had 22,000 people. Today, less than 1,000. But I learned how to relate to people in that town. Um, I, I went to a vocational training school um, in high school uh, with a lot of marginal economic people. And it was then that God said he wanted me to go into the ministry. And so I applied to Waynesburg College and got accepted provisionally. I had to make up two years of high school in college before I took the, um, the regular courses. But uh, I was um, super dedicated. I mean, I, I focused laser-like on my studies. And to make a long story short, I graduated with honors. Wow. So it was a, uh, it was a kind of a, a gift from God, which I am grateful to him because my early beginnings allowed me to relate to a, a panoply of humanity. And so I've always felt as comfortable talking to the Raymond Groves of this world as I am talking to you in a very wonderful setting. <laughs> Thank you. Another one of my favorite memories um, was Easter time because you did this balloon launch. And we've got some pictures from uh, from those days, and it seems like you were always on the front page of the Dallas uh, or the Detroit Free Press or the Detroit News with this. W where'd you get the idea for the balloon launch? Thank you for the question. Uh, uh, your mother and I went to Yale University in 1967 for a year, where I got a master's degree. And at that time, we would go to Patel Chapel, where the William Sloan Coffin Jr. was the pastor. And one Easter, we attended, and after the service, the whole congregation went outside and launched some balloons. I said to myself, if, if I ever get in a situation, that's what we're gonna do on Easter. And lo and behold, the following year, I was called to a downtown church in Detroit. And I thought to myself, this is worthy of news. And so I wrote a letter to the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press. And I said, we're going to do something that I think is newsworthy. You ought to come and cover it. Bold. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but... It was so successful. The whole congregation was just jubilant uh, with this occasion. I got a, a table about this high, and they helped me up on it, and I stood up, and three times I would say, He is risen! And we would all chant back, He is risen indeed. He is risen! He is risen and <laughs> he is risen. He is risen indeed. It was very triumphant. And then we'd clap, and it was just rejoicing. It was a great time. Um, it was amazing. And, was amazing. and they still do it. One year, uh, somebody wrote uh, a, a note to me saying, uh, "We're worried about 
the strings of the balloons getting tied up with birds and killing them. So you ought not to do that. So we said, well, okay, well, we'll try something else. So we got in touch with a man in Canada, Windsor, who had homing pigeons. And we said, would you come across on Easter? And we would release the homing pigeons. When the congregation said, he is risen. <laughs> <laughs> it was a brilliant pivot, and I applauded you for being a, a PR guy long before, uh, you know, it was cool to have a public relations firm. But you it wasn't it as much fun as the balloons. Yes. So it was only like a year or two, and then we were back at the balloons, and nobody said anything about birds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was great. Uh, so proud of my dad because he uh, he has three doctorates. We've got some pictures. I want to put these up on the screen. And so two are honorary doctorates. And then, oh, actually, that's that's the uh, Michigander of the Year Award. Let's talk about that. That had to be one of the highlights of your career. I, it, it just, uh, I was just overwhelmed. Um, and it's one of the proudest trophies I have. Uh, I have the article which listed historically all the Michiganders, and so I'm very proud of that, very. Wow. And that must be the script that you were It's reading. on the back of the uh, oh. thing that tells all about uh, my ministry and why they chose me. Um, That's awesome, Dad. You're, I'm so proud of you. Well, uh, we're kind of in the final couple minutes what, what final thoughts do you want to leave the audience with? Uh, I, I'm grateful to God for opening doors. Like I, I went to high school preparing to be an automobile mechanic. But one Sunday in church, God reached down and said, I want you to go into the ministry. It must have just blown my parents away because the cost, uh, all of that. But as I said earlier, I was driven. And um, even today, uh, I feel God's hand in my life up to this very moment when he, for his own reasons, wanted this story told. Wow. You're such an inspiration. Dad, I love you so much. Thank you. Is this where I start crying? No, don't cry. <laughs> you'll, you'll have me bawling too. Dad, I love you so much. This has been a great show. Um, that's it for now. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.